basically now we can afford to buy a house. Those days, I have three wonderful kids. I'm married with a wonderful wife. I have a driver sending my kids to school. And I have three mates looking after the household. So life was good. Life, life was it's good, yeah. Settle down and business is growing. Yep. But what did you think of God? And I must say that when you think everything is good, that your heart becomes empty. From Lux Mundi, you're listening to Faith Collides. It's a show about industry leaders and the stories behind how faith plays into life at work. I'm Grace Wong, and on today's show, we're going to talk about how a family business can grow to be a publicly listed company and how family succession can actually work out in a business. I'm going to start today off by challenging you to think about your own family and how you can think about family in a broader sense. Because on today's show, James Chia joins us to share what it was like to grow up in Singapore with a family of 10 brothers and how one of the brothers started a company that directed James in his career and then how another brother's cancer diagnosis caused James to think differently about faith. James Chia is the group president of PICO. And in case you haven't heard of PICO, this is what they do. A global leader in total brand activation. We engage people, create experiences, and activate brands, harnessing the power of innovative ideas. The business that the Chia family made millions in is called Total Brand Activation. Pico helps brands come alive at massive events like the Olympics or the World Expo by producing exhibits that are an experience for visitors to connect with the brand. They design the event space, come up with how to incorporate the latest technology, and execute it all. Their clients include brands like Jaguar, Range Rover, and BMW. As James explains, what they do is all in its name, Pico. But it has a Chinese twist to it. You have to understand the meaning behind the Chinese characters, B, Ka. Then that's how we find the word B. B means pen, brushes. Ka means overcoming. So using pen, in this term, we can call it creativity. Curb means to overcome. So using creativity to overcome a customer's problem. So using creativity to offer a solution. That is the meaning of Pico. Pico is now a global leader in total brand activation and a publicly listed company in Hong Kong with 3,000 employees, about 30 offices, and as of 2018, a turnover of $590 million. But the company came from humble beginnings. James was born shortly after World War II, at a time when Singapore and its people were recovering from a period of Japanese occupation. James starts off by explaining to me how he grew up in such a large family. Well, I guess those days, there's no such thing as family planning, right? After Japanese time, when you do farming, you need to raise pigs and chicken and duck. More people will be more helpful in the family. And I guess that is why my mom, together with my father, gave birth to 10 boys. All 10 boys, no girls. Wow, your mom somehow was able to make that happen. 10 brothers, how do you guys distinguish yourselves from one another? We actually slept together on the same bed. And those days, the bed are very big. They just put a wooden plank. 
So 10 of you in a bed. Yeah, so 10 of us. And when my mom told me that when my dad came back at the night, he would just go to a room and start counting one, two, three, four, just make sure, you know. James was number five out of the 10 Chia brothers. And since he wasn't one of the eldest, he didn't feel the pressure to help out on the farm. So by the time he was six, he was able to go to the village school. We live in a little villages. The villagers maybe about 30 family, and they all combined together to build a school for their kids. While James was growing up and going to school, Singapore was experiencing an economic boom after it gained its independence from Britain in 1965. Life got better for most of them. When James was 12, his family moved from the village into the city with free public housing. James got to go to high school, and right after, he joined the Mandatory National Service, which turned out to be a pretty good setup for him. I was doing pretty well in the military. Salary was good because I was very poor. In the army, we always say everything is paid by the government, our meal is by the government, our room, our accommodation by the government, our uniform is all paid by the government. What a good life, right? So James grew as a leader in the military and got to meet all kinds of people, people who believed in different things. So I make friends to talk about life after death. You know, some they go up to heaven, come back. And when my friend told me that, I was very excited. And I said, wow, life is not just, they say, 80 years, 90 years on earth, and then the end of it. There is eternity. And I was very happy. But on the other hand, which one? I'm not sure. James didn't know what to think about life after death and where to put his faith. He says his parents just asked him to pay respects to their ancestors. And growing up, James considered himself as a free thinker. He wanted to go to university after the military, but something held him back at home. He saw the way his second brother hustled, Song Liam, who also goes by the initials SL. He was the second eldest brother, and he didn't get to go to high school and had to do several odd jobs until he got the opportunity to work at an art studio. The art studio is basically a shop. They do a lot of painting for commercial van, commercial banners, cinema. All these are not computer graphic. They're mm. all using hand, hand drawing. drawing. He enjoyed it, but he found that the job is a bit too boring for him, and then he started looking for opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's why he decided to come out and start his own. So he started Pico. He started Pico. Do you know why he called it Pico? Beginning, the name is called Chia Song Name. That's his full Chinese name. Mm-hmm. Commercial artist is what a mouthful, right? <laughs> so I said, no, no, no. That's and then those days I was, I like name like Sony Kodak, two syllable, you know, easy to for people to remember. So at an early age. James spent time with SL to help get his company started, even to help come up with the name Pico. And once James finished his military service in 1973, he had to think hard about what he would do next. Either I can continue in the military or go to university or join my brother. But looking at it, basically the family was poor and my brother just started and he needed help. And that's how it took me a long time to think, ponder about it. Yeah, so I joined the family business. I joined SL. When I joined, there was quite a bit of adjustment because in the army, you are drawing good salary, everything is paid for. 
when I joined, my brother, my salary was cut more than half. Wow. And you are now paying your own meal. Joining a family is seven days a week, maybe 12 hours a day. Uh-huh. So a lot of adjustment, a lot of hard work. And how was it like for you brothers to be working together? Were there any issues of assigning roles and responsibilities? Yeah, when the business just started, all the different siblings are looking after different areas of responsibilities. When I joined the business, well, I was very much a personal assistant to SL. So he made me run around, go to the bank, post letter, you know, just basically like an assistant to him. So now you've joined Pico, and you were this assistant to the founder. You do everything, the ins and outs of how to start the business. All right. So tell me about how you were able to kind of go off on your own. For the first two years, basically, I'm just following him, learning how he talked to the customer, uh, learning about how he handling project, mm-hmm. learning the, the root of a business. And after two years, don't forget I was an officer in the army. And uh, I used to lead a team with 30 or 40 people. So I feel a bit boring. Then I say, well, I say, oh, I like to do sales. I like to go out and meet customer. Beginning was quite tough. I, I don't know how to start. I don't even have a customer. And my elder brother gave me one customer. In fact, that is one of the worst customer, the tougher customer. He gave me. <laughs> to and, challenge uh, you. Yeah, to challenge me. So with that, I struggling along. And subsequently, my father introduced a customer to me. So from one customer, I'm able to develop from one to two, from two to four, from four to eight. And I managed to develop a handful of customers. At the same time, Singapore started to become a center for exhibitions and conventions for all of Asia. So customers from all over Asia would go to Pico as a one-stop shop to get their booth designed, built, and delivered to the exhibition site. James says in 1974, he had one customer from France doing business in Singapore. And it actually took a free ticket that his seventh brother, Henry, won and that got them to look at doing business in Europe. So he has a ticket sitting there. He won it. He won it. How do you win it? Lucky draw. Lucky brother. So he got it. And I said, well, I've never been to Europe, right? So the tickets will bring me to Paris. I said, okay, let me try to go to Europe. So he won it and he gave it to you. Yeah. So I, I said, okay, I will take a ticket and go to Europe. And my intention was very, very naive. I, to me, as a young man from a tropical country. James says winters in tropical Singapore was around 85 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So I landed in Paris. And when, I, when the, the door of the plane opened and a cold air, you know, hit me, I nearly want to run back to the plane and say, can you send me back to Singapore? It was so cold. I wasn't prepared. I was wearing a leather jacket and I thought the leather jacket would be good enough in the winter. James says he lucked out because a guy named Paul was kind enough to give him a coat that helped him go door to door to meet potential customers. James visited several countries in 10 days. So you did so much during your time in Europe. You were able to get Pico out there to these potential customers. And I must say that the people were very kind. Mm-hmm. You know, even those that I never made any appointment, these men come all the way from Singapore, you know, might as well just spend some time. 
the five times. Did any clients or projects come out of that trip? Oh, yes. I won a contract from Dusseldorf, Germany. And I tell you, I tell you, you know, it was so exciting that I can't sleep because that was a, my first overseas contract. You know, it was a really a breakthrough. You managed to handle international clients in Singapore. And those days, we do have competition in Singapore. And my competitors, these were very big. They were big. They were 30 years ahead of us. I thought that, well, it was quite tough. So when I came back, I decided to marry my then girlfriend. So we went to register of marriage to marriage. So how did you ask her? Your girlfriend at that time was Woon Yao. I think life was so tough out there, so I think I better marry. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. set up. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, those days in our time, we are not so romantic. You know? so, yeah, 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 you're just like practical. I need yeah, someone to watch after yeah, me. I need someone right. to take care of me. Okay, you're right, you're, you're right. Yeah, so there's our love story. James settled down with his wife, Wu Yao. They had three boys. By 1985, the Chia brothers set up Pico outside of Singapore with Southeast Asian offices in China, Hong Kong, and about 2,000 people working for them. My SL, my elder brother's dream is ensure every brother have their own house to stay. So we managed to buy our own house for each and every brother. So yeah, life was quite settled down. From kids who are farmers, did you expect you would be that at 35? I don't think so. Because, I mean, the objective is to get out of poverty. Okay? My parent generation are poor. My father had to have two jobs just to keep the family survive. You know, my mother stay at home to raise kids at the same time, look after all the, all the pig and chicken. I would say, my generation, in terms of my friends, the, the objective is to get out of poverty. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? No, no ambitions. Yeah, no ambitions to, you know, yeah. never think about you want to be a lawyer yeah. or a doctor. Hardly you can think about going overseas to study. Mm. Basically, now we can afford to buy a house. I've been those days, you know, I have three wonderful kids. I'm married with a wonderful wife. I have a driver. I'm sending my kid to school. And I have three mates looking after the household. So life, life was good. Life was more or less is is good. Yeah, settle down and business is growing. Yep. But what did you think of God? And I must say that when you think everything is good, that your heart becomes empty. And and your heart is empty, you start asking a lot of questions. Your questions such as where am I going after life on earth? 80, 90 years old or 100 years old, whatever, that's all on earth. Is it the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? And, and that was why when your heart is empty and you have fear, I travel a lot. You fear, you say, one day I pass away. Who is going to look after my wife, my children, my business? Yeah, so you have that fear that came into your heart. Of course, during the time, my grandmother used to tell me ghost story. Yeah, they live in a village. So I believe there's a spirit. Mm, so you knew that. I believe there's time. a spirit. There's mm. a bad spirit, good spirit, or whatever you, you call it. You didn't know what was good. Yeah, what was yeah, bad. but I know that. I know that 
we human beings, we have a spirit, but and I believe that they, there's God, right? There's God, and but my problem is which one, you know, which God, and yeah. So I will start searching, you know, where am I going? Where am I going? Let's take a break, and when we're back, we'll hear the story that turned James and his wife Wu Niao's life around, and after how James started to apply his faith at work. And how he looks at the next generation to step up and grow the family business at Pico. I wanted to take this break to talk about something I realized on the show. The average age of my interview guests so far are about 65 years old. And they didn't grow up with an easy life. But we're honestly in different times. Life has improved and the hard work of our parents may have in fact paved the way for us to play harder. We all mess our kids up in various ways. We either err on the side of wanting them to be good or on the side of wanting them to be happy. Even well-meaning parents, I think it's really easy to be insulated by wealth. It was controlling her. It's still influencing her greatly. Earlier this year, Bloomberg wrote about how super-rich Americans are getting younger. The study suggests that this might have to do with a vast transfer of wealth to the younger generation. We have millennials inheriting huge amounts of money who often don't know what to do about it. I finally came to a place where I understood that my family wealth and my position won't change and it will be a part of my life for the rest of my life. The tools that I was given weren't sufficient enough, especially with a large amount of assets that I'm going to have to come into one day. These kids joined Core Venture a nonprofit program which helps young inheritors in their 20s and 30s navigate the complexities of wealth. It's tough because they didn't get asked to be in their positions, but they're making the most out of it by getting some guidance. Everybody is there to give you a comfortable shove in the right direction. I'll call it a shove because that's what it is. But you feel like you're in a safe area when that occurs. If you don't feel like you belong to your family of wealth because you want to hide it, you're ashamed of it. That was me. If you're asking the question, is this it? Is there more in this life? There has to be. I think this program is for you as well. If you or someone you know wants help to think about what they can actually do with their wealth, check out Core Venture. You can find out more about it on our website. Welcome back. We're about to hear the news James got from his brother, Henry. In 1992, Henry was living in Hong Kong to set up the PICO office. He was in charge of filing the papers for their initial public offering, IPO, in Hong Kong, which meant the company could start raising capital from outsiders. Henry was four years younger than James, and James remembers a time when Henry would share his faith to him when they were younger. I remember one time we were on the boat. He said, James, you know, you have to come to know God. Look at the moon, look at the sun. And I, my mind are trained in maths and science, so everything must have proved. I said, how can you believe God that you got to prove to me the moon and the sun is made by God, right? created by God? Henry was just in junior high when he decided to become a Christian. He was the first one in his family to believe, but James wouldn't give much thought to his little brother's faith until something happened to Henry that prompted James to pray for the very first time at 40 years old. So a phone call came in from Hong Kong because my brother, Henry, he said that, well, uh, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. You know, in those days, we never heard about cancer. It's a 
the death sentence. There's no chance. Yeah, so... This was 1992. So I was shocked. Over the phone, I say, don't worry, you know, we will get you the best doctor in the world, the best hospital in the world, that we will send you for treatment. And Henry on the other side told me that, well, James, I know all this. What I need from you is just to pray for me. So that moment I was stung. I, I thought I have everything. I have all the resources. I have money to send to all the hospital. I thought I'm in control of many things, running a successful business together with my brother, of course. And simple thing, how to pray, I do not know how to pray. And, and pray, pray to what? Pray to the moon, the sun, the tree, the stone. <laughs> and I was so lost. I was mm. so lost. And you were probably so broken to know that you couldn't really help. Yeah, I was so broken. And uh, in fact, next morning during breakfast, I was so broken. I was tearing. I was I was crying because I, I was helpless. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. James says he went to see his brother SL at the office to see what they should do about Henry's request. They both didn't know how to pray. They've never prayed before. So SL decided to contact a pastor in Singapore to meet with them and their wives to pray for Henry. So that night, so-called our first prayer meeting. And when the pastor explained, we live on earth 18, 90 years. Our body will go back to earth, but our spirit will go back to our creator. Actually, the statement hit me. Mm. said, well... It makes sense, you know. It makes sense. So my wife, my wife was with me. So let my wife share this part of our first prayer meeting experience. So this is Wu Niao as she recalled the first prayer meeting she ever had. Prior to that, she had only gone into church for weddings. So we sat around holding hands. So, okay, I just uh, do what they, they do. They close their eyes. So I close my eyes too. And uh, they started praying. So the first prayer was actually prayed for Henry. Then uh, the, the pastor and the, f- the Christian friends knew that we were very distressed about the situation. So they volunteered to pray for us, pray for the family members. Wu Niao shares how something happened during the prayer that made her feel like God was there. I, I really felt maybe that's, that's how it is that God is with me. When she shared her experience to the pastor, they immediately asked if she and James would want to say the sinner's prayer, which is like a confession of sin to accept Jesus into their life. I really no idea what's a sinner's prayer, you know. It seems like it's the right thing to do. So both of us uh, said the sinner's prayer. And I remember on the way back home, I was still asking uh, James, say, does it mean we are Christians now? <laughs> <laughs> because this, all these are... Uh, you, completely yeah, you. You've yeah, never I, even I, heard of what that meant. Yeah. And what did, what did James say? He, he said that, you know, if we want to ha- get help from this God, we better believe in Him, right? I mean, that's what he, he felt. You want to get help from this God, you better believe in Him. Otherwise, it's not so authentic, right? You just want Him to help and yeah. then you don't believe Him. It was almost in a way, if you want to pray to this God that Henry believes in, to heal him, you should believe in him. Yes. So it was your initial willingness to believe. Yeah. So 
after his operation, he had a fever. It's a very major operation. He was drifting in and out of consciousness. His vital signs were not good. And Henry said that uh, when he was awake, Henry prayed. And after that, the vital signs improved and he was able to sit up the next morning. So he got better and he got out of the hospital. Yeah, that was November, right? I remember the day that we prayed to receive Christ was November 17. And uh, every December, uh, Pico has an annual conference, mid-December. Henry was in Penang uh, attending the conference. He was well enough to attend the conference. He was well enough to travel. So his recovery was very uh, phenomenal. And that really encouraged you guys when, because it was the first time you prayed to God. Yeah, yeah. So did you guys start going to church after that? Yes. In fact, uh, for both of us, our belief is that, that we must at least give it a try. He always think that, oh, if this is not what not for him, he can always make a U-turn, you know, change his direction. Because I'm, my mind are trained in the business. So I would say, okay, I will uh, get in to believe God. And if it turned out to be for me, in any business contract, there's always an exit clause. <laughs> right? Exit clause. Oh, there's always an exit clause. So I said, okay, I would like to, by faith, I will take a step to accept Christ as my personal savior. So James and Wu Niao were thrilled when Henry got better because it was the first time they prayed and they actually saw an answer prayer. But 18 months later, the cancer came back. Henry was recommended to do chemotherapy, but he decided not to. He spent the last 18 months traveling, having quality time with his family. And unfortunately, in July 1994, he passed away at 38 years old. It was not easy. <laughs> it was, uh, I remember I cried and cried, you know. Of course, said that the passing of uh, loved ones, but also, with all these questions, why he was healed, and then after that, he has to go, you know, and especially two boys were still very young. Uh, one is was eight and one five. It didn't seem like the perfect conclusion that we were looking for, you know. How did you deal with that? We realized that we cannot understand fully the workings of God. We used to have one saying, anything that we don't understand, we just have to put into a box called do not understand box and then move on and as we move on maybe one day when we look back we will understand did you at some point begin to understand why god allowed that to happen to him not not 100 percent but we we can see the the good things that came out of it what was that one thing is joan who's henry's wife became a co-founder of a ministry called We Care. It's actually administered to many, many widows in Singapore. So it's like a, a seed that has fallen. We can see some uh, the fruit of that ministry. After Henry passed away, Pico had become a public company and James was now a Christian and on a journey to apply his faith to his life at work. When Henry passed away in 94, my younger brother, Lawrence, that time he was running our operation in Europe. We requested Lawrence move from London over to Hong Kong. When you build up the business, the challenges is always bringing in the right people. 
you know, for the right job. So we do not have enough bladders, you know, to run the operation. So that time we restart recruited quite a lot of outside professional into the business. All these people, all these resources were able to help us to grow the business and subsequently also help the company go into IPO. James says when Pico looked at expanding the business, they considered high-performing employees who had an entrepreneurial mindset and strength in business development. Pico would encourage these employees to then set up an office in a new market. Their business model was built on having a deep relationship and trust with their employees. So when it came to making decisions for the business that would impact headcount, James says he really struggled to let go of staff. And he turned to his faith for how to deal with it. When we are running a business, and sometimes you got no choice but to terminate a staff. And it's very difficult because he has so-called invested years in the company, and you likewise have invested years yeah, on this person. And then now you have to part in this relationship. It's very painful. And I can't sleep. In fact, my wife knows about it. In those days, when I can't sleep, my wife will ask me, is there something bother you that you need to terminate some staff? Yeah, and then you think about his family, how is he going to get a job? So you need to make a decision on this part of justice. But usually, after I have terminated staff and have a settlement with him, pay him freely of this termination cost, the next part is have mercy. And usually I will follow up with a statement. You go and look for a job. And I tell you that in six months, if you cannot find a job, you come back to me and I will help you personally. At least to provide some basic you know, financial resources if needed. So there's a mercy part. And I can tell you that after so many years, I, I don't really termine a lot of people, maybe five or six. And this five or six person, eventually they found a better job. And even some of them come back, become my customer. And we still maintain a very good relationship. Pico faced many challenges as it grew into a global company. It had to see structural changes, pressure to win projects, to be accountable to stakeholders. But James says his faith has grown since Henry's passing away, and it shaped the way he now looks at his company. When you are running a corporation, as a non-Christian, you depend a lot about yourself. That means you are the ultimate boss, your family member, your brother are the ultimate decision maker. But when you became a Christian, there is a purpose of everything that we do. There is a meaning in life. Even all the decision makers, we know that God is overseeing it. And that actually uh, helps us in decision making. So being a Christian, I would say much at peace because you know that we will try our best based on our human endeavor, our human mind to do whatever we can. At the end, we won a project or we lost a project. We have peace, you know, because even good project, there's a purpose. Even when we lost a big project or certain business decision turned out to be a long, long decision, and we know that God allowed all this happen is to train us up, to make us more equipped for the future. And I think the important thing is to have the peace. Now I want to talk about the future Chia's. So now you are at 
Pico, but you're 67? I'm 67. I just passed 67. I'm already in the business for 44 years in the company. Many second generation already in the business. Many also are Christian, the second generation. And I must say that we, we have put the succession plan in place many years back. So I'm very proud to say that I'm very happy. The second generation is actually contributing quite a bit in the business and they are holding a key position. And so with that in mind, uh, my role, or rather my executive role, is getting lesser and lesser. That's the success of a leader, when you can really pass it on and not have to worry. I don't like to use the word success because, you know, like, I mean, we learn that success is just a, it's a journey, not a destination. But the word success also comes from the word succession, right? If there's no succession, there's no success. So I think succession is a very big plan. We need to have a great succession in order for the company, for the family to continue in the business. So I'm very happy that all these are in place. And out of your three sons, how many of them are working at Pico? Oh, there are already three of them in the business. And my niece, my nieces are in, my nephew. From your view, what is it like for second-generation family to be working at Pico? Do you feel like they get special treatment because they are a Chia? No, no, because you see, we are running a digital company and we got so many people. We have to really treat everybody equal, not because they are Chia. In fact, they are Chia, they are expected to work even harder. <laughs> <laughs> James sees the journey he's been on as something that's not complete without his family. And he also believes in his family to continue what was started at Pico. Most importantly, he's happy to be part of God's family. And thank God, God is merciful. I no need the exit cross anymore because I'm so happy to be part of the family in the God's kingdom. For James, he came from a family that struggled in poverty, but also from a strong brotherhood who worked hard to make Pico into the company it is today. The Chia brothers were able to optimize and expand their business along with the growth that happened in Singapore. The truth is, not all of us will be like James, whose career success may seem like he was born into the right family at the right time. But James leaves us thinking about a bigger family, the family of God that he got to be part of when he was 40 years old. His faith has become so much part of his life, and it's a faith he believes anyone can take part in. You want to really know about all this treasure in the house, you must get into the house. Otherwise, you always stand outside the house and people say how wonderful it is inside the house. You will never know. You will really have to get into the house. That's why subsequently in the Bible said that this the door, when Jesus knocked, you need to open the door. Once you open the door, you enjoy this treasure in the house. So no matter where you're coming from, a family you take pride in, or a family you wish you weren't born into. Take comfort in knowing that there is an eternal family you are part of, or you can be part of. This is Grace, bringing you stories that can revive your work week. And a big shout out to Faith Collide's listeners, John and Roseanne Chia, for making this episode possible by introducing me to James Chia. Faith Collide's is hosted and produced by me, 
This episode is edited by me and Shina Lee. Audio mixing by Joshua Huang. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and tell your friends about our show. Thanks for listening.